Welcome to the Reconstructing Inclusion podcast. We're creating a space to speak truth and examine context in diversity, equity, and inclusion. That means creating a path forward for everyone to recognize the benefits of inclusion individually and collectively. I'm your host, Omri B. Johnson. I'm a Topeka, Kansas, USA-born, Switzerland-based epidemiologist playing the role of an inclusion, diversity, and equity practitioner for the past 20 years. I'm the author of Reconstructing Inclusion, Making DEI Accessible, Actionable, and Sustainable, and the CEO of the DEI-centered management consultancy, Inclusion Wins, creating culture from the hearts of individuals. Let's jump in. So, Doug, I'd like to welcome you to the Reconstructing Inclusion podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today. For those who are listening, I am today getting a chance to speak with Doug Harris. Doug has a very impressive bio. I'm not going to go into all of the depth, but he is the CEO of the Kaleidoscope Group. And when I first started this work, I started looking around to see who I should be listening to and actually believing. Doug was one of the few people that I felt like I should be listening to and believing, along with some others. But Doug has been at this since, the, has it been 1988, Doug? 89, yeah. 89? Yeah. So Doug's been at this for a minute. And so I'm just excited for everybody to hear from Doug, somebody who has made this life's work and done it over and over again. And let's jump into it. So I'm going to ask you some questions later about things that you like and all that. I'm going to do that towards the end. Um, Tell us about your journey into this work we now call DEI. How did you get started? Tell us the kind of the journey. I was working at first, my corporate experience was Procter and Gamble. And then I left that and went into executive search, focusing in on the minority recruitment. And then so many people I was placing was leaving. And I was talking to one of my clients. They said, Doug, the stuff you talk about, you should do diversity. So I said, what's diversity? I had no idea what he was talking about. He said, what's diversity? So he told me about it. I said, oh, you can make money doing that? I said, that sounds like a good, that like a good idea. So I joined the company B Young Associates and started off as a trainer. Then I became the co-owner of the company in 96 and then she sold it to me in 06. So it started off with three of us and then it went to, we got about 60 people now. So the company has grown, we're global doing the work. But I think the key thing for me, my whole life has been in this DEI space. So I grew up in inner city. My junior high school had 1300 kids. We had nine white students. Wow. And I graduated number three out of 700. So I got a scholarship to a prep school and they had 800 students. They had eight black. And I took an entrance exam. I was number 174 out of 175. So I went from three out of 700, 174 out of 175, 175 quit. So I was officially the dumbest guy <laughs> in the school. And so. I realized through that process that I learned everything that was put in front of me, but a lot right. wasn't in front of me. So that was just like the beginning of my urge 
to make the world fair. Sure. So things went on that did well, but there was always this burning inside me to make the world fair, help people do better, found diversity, it worked for me. And I've been in it ever since. And so it's more of a mission in my life than a job. Huh. I really believe deep down in my heart the things that we profess. And so here I am still trying to make it happen at this time in my life. Yeah, absolutely. So Doug, you're interestingly, when I heard about how you can make money in this work, I was like, oh, I'll sign up too. <laughs> so was it the, I can make money come before the mission and passion, or did you grow into that mission and passion? How did that Great work? Question. Yeah, no, the mission and passion was there. Okay. And I just didn't know I can get paid for it. So that was more of a surprise. I just had never heard of it. This was not really talked about that much. Then I got in and I'm like, oh my God, this really fits me and I can feed the family. So it was just a great combination. And so my heart has always been the guiding factor. Then I was blessed in order to make it also a life. Sure. That's kind of how it worked. Yeah. Appreciate that question for sure. The the vocation that you can actually do something that you love and that you can pour yourself into is a yes. gift in and of itself because all of us get that opportunity. So totally, no, no. totally understand. And that's so real. Not many people do. Sure. And it's never even felt like work for me. Right. It's just felt like this is who I am. This is what I do. And it's hard to find a calling and line up with it like that for sure. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. So you three decades in, you're not in front of clients all the time, like you were in the early days, what keeps you moving forward in the work? Cause it's, this can get a little bit taxing yeah, on the can. spirit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's a great, what keeps me going forward is I have been fortunate enough to meet so many people from so many backgrounds. My high school was a very wealthy high school. Just people are so different from who I was and I love then I went on to university, all these places. So I believe in people. I think there are good people in all backgrounds, having done a lot of global work, but we just come from different places and don't know how to bring those places together. There's mm-hmm. such a judgment factor for difference. And if you take that away and open yourself up to the goodness of everyone, it's just powerful. And the main thing that happens is you grow individually. So I look at my life and who I am. I'm the same guy. I went home a few weeks ago to the funeral and I felt real comfortable with my boys from way back in the day. Even though they said, Doug, you're different. I could tell you different, but you're still different. And so many people think they're going to lose something when they move into a different stratosphere. And I just think there's nothing but things to gain. So that's just motivating for me, man. Learning from everybody, growing. And then my motto is to leave people better than I found them and do it with love. So that's my motto. And so I've been able to touch the lives and calls back, emails back. Man, I couldn't talk about this, but I talked to you. It's just satisfying. So it's almost a spiritual gift along with a personal gift that has led me to this place. And it just, it makes it easy. Even when yeah. I want to leave, I end up finding my way back. <laughs> <laughs> this won't let you go. It just grabs you. 
It, it's only almost as tight as you do, Howie. That's what it's going. We're just getting started, Doug. It's been a while since I've been, I've seen you because I haven't been in the U.S. We we were talking when we were getting prepared. I used a quote, and I'm gonna share it with the group. It's the 50th anniversary of hip hop, and I remember okay. when KRS One would talk about Cool Herc and all these rappers, all these DJs that kind of brought hip hop to the fore. And I was telling, I was sharing a quote from KRS One, and I think it's appropriate to someone who's been at this for as long as you. KRS-One in his song, Health, Wealth, and Knowledge of Self, he says, what separates the pro from the amateur is stamina. It's not how long you can rhyme, but how long you've been rhyming. Changing with the times and still finding yourself climbing for wealth, blow for blow. You keep showing, you're all knowing. Now that's a pro at it. Yeah. I paraphrase, I might not have gotten it as well as uh, Chris. Yes, but sir. I mean, you told me that you were on a flight with him. This is a bit of a digression, but it was quite <laughs> remarkable that we hit it. You were on a flight with him, and let that interaction go. <laughs> this isn't, I, I like the fact that you like these little scourges to the left and to the right. Yeah. So I, we're in first class, so we're sitting next to me. So I knew who he was, right? I'm like, I know he's on a plane. He probably just came from somewhere. I'm on a plane. I may not want to talk. So I just sit back and relax. So he looks at me and he says, do you know me? <laughs> I said, yeah, man, I know you. So then who am I? He tested me. I said, Carol, Carol's one. He said, oh, you do know me? I said, yeah, but you're on the plane. I ain't gonna bother you. I'm gonna get you up and you're all the way. And so we start laughing and then we talked. This long flight, about three hour flight the whole time. And it was almost like a kindred spirit. I had my little suit on, so he didn't know what kind of person I was. And we were getting deep into the, just the essence of life. Right. I was like, wow. So afterwards, we connected, shared numbers, never did get back in touch. But it's like a lifetime memorable experience. And again, it just connects to our work. We don't know how we're going to start. But if you're real and you're genuine, and he's extremely genuine, it was, it was no sense. I don't know if I should say this. Look, we're talking and we had a beautiful conversation and I want the world to take on that mantra. There's nothing but love, insight and growth in this world if we can reach it, grab it and bring it in. And then it just makes our organizations that much more powerful. Absolutely. People like income companies today, they feel like they're in jail and the gate is open. Wow. You know? <laughs> You know, I'm like, walk out. <laughs> the gate is open. But their mindset just keeps them locked in. And there's so much they're missing out on. Their company is missing out on. And so if I can do something that can help that releasing of their potential and what they can be, it's just a satisfying process. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. I, as KRS-One would say, that's it. That's all single, solo, no one, no less. Um, uh, that's, a, that's a true fan. Let's get a little too much of that on me, man. I'm a little I'm a huge hip hop fan. Yes, Doug. You know, we had a what a lot of people call an inflection point, so to speak. You've seen a lot of things happen in this space. Yes, uh, even way all the way back to Rodney King. You were some in that space around this in this work around that time as well. I was but in 2020. We saw the murder of George Floyd, and we had a global pandemic that really impacted minoritized, racialized communities and the poor more than anybody else. 
Yes. What do you feel has changed in the DEI work broadly since 2020 and particularly May of 2020? Yeah, it's been big. One of the first things that happened is a lot of people got into work because the demand for it was amazing. And so we've had, always had a lot of people, but it might have tripled inside because there was such a need for it. And that interestingly impacted the work in many ways because our industry have always dealt with varying levels of capability. We don't really have a check and balance on getting you a graphic artist that can get you a decent website and you in it. And so that impacted what was being done. If you don't know nothing, somebody who knows a little something sounds great. But I think the big thing it did really was create a sense, especially with George Floyd, what really is the objective of the work? Because we've been working in corporations and there's an action between corporations and this killing on the sidewalk, yet there's a strong connection of just mistreatment. And it got to be real serious around the outcomes of our work. And so I think there was pressure both inside of companies and then pressure outside of companies to really make a difference. And so it gave it a whole nother level of seriousness, not really knowing how to handle it, but a whole level of seriousness. And even though it's a U.S.-based scenario, it went across the world. Absolutely. This fairness thing is just crazy. We got to stop it. We got to do something different. What can we do? So our business like quadrupled during that time. Wow. Quite, I must have hired, I had about 12 people, must have hired about 30 because the band was just crazy. But then at the same time, people want to see change now. They want to see real change. And so it also was a way of screening those who could not create real change. So you take to take a sad end. God's work, everything leads towards a great place. Sometimes there's just some pain at the beginning of it. Yeah. It leads at a great place. So I think companies are a lot more serious, but they don't know what to do with that serious and they need support and they're a lot more open. Sure. I think those were some of the big things that changed. There was the pandemic. What I love about the pandemic, we have all these mindsets of this is the way you're supposed to. I was training around the world, man, four days a week. I ain't been around no people training in three years. I sit here just like I'm talking to you. Hey, hey. everything is different. There's so many different possibilities. And you can't control what's going to happen in the world, so you better be able to adapt and do it well. And that was exciting for me. Sure, I can sure. do my session, man, and go in my living room and watch L.A. Law or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> the world Please. change around what's possible. Yes. Absolutely. The world's change around what's possible. Do you see, um, where do you see the work going? Obviously, the past, probably, I'd say the past three or four months, and I'm probably overly in the social sphere and on LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But people are very much saying that, oh, companies are cutting DEI and they're not serious about the work and they're pushing back and all this stuff that's happening with politics and pushback on anti-racism and CRT and even just basic history that, that include people from, from African descent. Yes. Where do you think we're going? given some of these things, some of the pushback and what was started in 2020, seeing a somewhat of a decline in the past year or so. 
it's interesting because, like you say, with George Floyd, there's this big uprising, and then that balloon is coming down. And the way I see it is that the focus today is really on value. Really, how can you make us a better organization? And people have been, they've been coming out leaders. We got cancel culture. So we're really almost moving in the opposite direction at times around what our work was meant to do, which was to bring people together, create an equitable place where you maximize their talents, and then you achieve unbelievable outcomes. And so, you know, what's taking place today, when I look at the outcomes of our work, I think there's three major outcomes. One is respect. How can we create a respectful culture? Two is opportunity. How can we create more of a sense of equity and fairness as it relates to people getting positions, having money spent on their issues, all of those factors. And then the third one is value. How can this work make organizations stronger? So when I got into it 35 years ago, it was about opportunity. Hmm. We didn't see people in positions. We got to do something different. Right. And then it went to the business case, value. And now we're really on this respect world. Make me happy. You yeah. know, I tell people all the time, you ain't got to love me, just promote me. I'm happy. <laughs> I was born happy. You give me an opportunity. Exactly. So yeah. these conflicting ideas, because today's world, younger generation, is respect. Mm. I want respect. I've never needed respect, but I did need opportunity. But when you look at all these varying objectives, you got a lot of inner work conflict. Right now, more than ever, I think within the DEI space, you got people telling other people they don't know what they're talking about. I used to go to a conference. I used to actually enjoy it. I'd see you, see other people. Hey. Now people are like, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You're like, like, what's going on? So there's a lack of alignment. Yeah. And I think we start to look at our future. We're talking a lot about the word unity today. And how do you really understand people, value people, appreciate people, work with people in a way that's powerful for the organization? And the other word we're talking about is empowerment. You got to start living in a way that we're in control. Stop thinking about other people. I've stopped. Don't let them stop. Sure. But you got to go in it, empowerment for the better good of everyone. Not just Absolutely. for your headstreams. Yeah, for the better good of everyone. And I think that's where the world is going. We all play a major role in creating the world that we want to create. And we got to pointing fingers at who was not doing it and conduit that is doing it to make a difference. I love that, Doug. And I just did a post today about being cause in the matter. And mm. I've been talking about that a lot because I'm not really good at blame placing. It's just something that I was not trained to do in my household. My mama would start, I started trying to place the blame. She would look at me like I had lost my mind. <laughs> and my dad was an entrepreneur and a self-starter. Mm. And he, my dad was an undertaker. Okay. It's like, you're doing all right. You still stand it, right? Oh, you better get to work, right? It's uh, like I never had that orientation was always a bit odd to me. So I had to be yes. really, I've had to be do my best to maintain my cool when it comes to people blame placing consistently. Yes. And in some ways, it, I don't know if it's actually getting us to where we want to be. So I've been really challenged about that. Yes. Um, it's also real interesting too, because we have, when you hear that happening, 
there's a difference between empathy and blame, understanding yeah, blame. Absolutely. Placing. Absolutely. So when you tell them you don't understand blame placing, they'll think you don't have empathy. But I ain't listened to no blame place. I haven't used that term before, so I'm going to steal that one. I don't think I've ever stolen nothing from you. I think I'm going to steal Now, hey, speaking of that, we were talking about something, and you told me not to steal it. You were talking about the work that you're doing now with Doug Harris, OG, and I'd love to, to hear more about it because it was profound to me, and I think the listeners would love you to share it. But you shared with me a phrase, and you told me not to steal it jokingly. I was tempted, but I don't remember it. So it's kind of like there were some words like love and like on and steroids. All of that was in there. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about the love principle and show that phrase with folks so that I can make sure that I give you credit, but still steal it when I did. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like you, man. You're a fair thief. That's what it's like. You call me things, but you can't call me unfair. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's why I'm more than That's why I'm more than You're my man forever. Yes, sir. But in a world. When we talk about the word love, there's a lot of misunderstanding of it. And go the emotional right. How can I love somebody if I don't like them? And people look at love as like on steroids. You only love people you like a lot. That's a whole different game. Love is about the condition of your heart and how you treat people. I'll tell a quick story. Me and one of my buddies was really arguing. I was about 13, 14 years old on this corner. We were calling each other names. This is one of these arguments you don't even recover from. He just like an old friend after this one. And we was going at each other. He got animated. And while arguing, he tripped and fell and was about to hit his head. And I jumped and grabbed him to make sure he didn't hit his head. And so he looked at me and said, man, we arguing all that, and you did, you caught me? I said, yeah, that's who I am. He said, if that was me, you would have bust your head. <laughs> 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 and the girl, see, that's just a different inner making. I will never see anyone hurt. We may differ. Love within me, I'm going to do what's best for you. And it's interesting, as soon as he stood up, we started arguing again. But the reality is this, that's in me. It ain't love for you. It's really love that's in me. It allows me to do the right thing in the right way in all situations. And so as people think it's love on, like on steroids, no. It's a whole different animal when we start getting involved with love. And so... It allows us to not judge, understand, try to grow, help people when they make a mistake versus cut them down. It's a whole different game. And I think we're lacking a lot of that based on the misunderstanding of the word and people not being raised with that orientation. Sure. Getting to something that in my experience in uh, cultivating my spirituality is something at the center of faith. Yes. And is that, I want to hear more about Doug Harris, OG, is that, I don't want to say you're a preacher or nothing. I don't think that's what's going on, but yeah. there's a lot of that energy inside of what you're telling me. No question. No question. I've been having to camouflage that for 35 years. Says I don't know how the world will take it, but yeah. that's all there. It's all faith. It's all about having a higher purpose. Sure. It's also all about 
understanding how to even see yourself. Yeah. Because love is really a humility factor for the individual. Talk with this How do you change people? I said, no, I'll lead them to change. They change themselves, but I'll lead them to change. So you don't be getting on this ego trip when you're really driven by love. Yeah. All you do is become grateful for being able to be a vehicle, impact the lives Absolutely. of all. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's a whole different way of living. And so people get it, even without, you know, me pulling out Corinthians. They still get patience and kindness. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And it works, man. Yeah. People love love. They just don't yeah. get enough. Therefore, yeah. they don't get enough. Wow. You know, what came to me is you've obviously had to do your own personal work. Yes. And the thing that my, most of my career, I've been an entrepreneur, but even before that, I think I spent more time on my personal spiritual work than I did on my job. And it has served me in my work when I've been all out work and not able to be with my community as much, but know that that's. I'm tethered to that. So I can't disconnect from it ever. And if I do, I automatically know, okay, you're about to go places that you know, you know, better. but my anger gets up here. I'm like, I've got some choice words going on in my head. Yeah. Something says, no, you're not allowed to do that. That's right. Um, What's that mean for the practitioner in terms of their own personal development and able in order to really impact and engage with with their clientele? Yeah, that's a great question. I believe that once you know yourself, once you found yourself, and once you love yourself, you're not ready to do the work. You know what I mean? So many people are going into the work to correct somebody else because they really don't love themselves. You know what I'm saying? So. I love myself so much. It makes me easy to love other people. I don't care really what they do, what they say, how they feel. They just came from a different place. You need to talk to me just a little bit longer and we can work through this thing together. So there's faith in the change process for everybody. And if you don't have that, you become a selective DNI consultant that just want to hang out with people who think like you at Starbucks or something like that. I'm not sure it's three o'clock. We can really talk about this ism that they're not discussing. You talking about, say, nobody in Starbucks making no changes. You better come back in your company and have a love conversation with the people in charge. And when you give them love, you'll see them change. Wow. And when you don't give them love, don't blame it on them. Revisit your approach, practitioner. To move people. Yeah. Yeah. The mirrors have to be held up to ourselves before they start getting held up to those leaders, senior leaders that we're trying to get to understand what they need to do. I think people said the CEOs that get it or something like that. I don't want to go there. But if I think back to the years that I've been doing this and talking to you right now, what I'm hearing very clearly is. If we want to progress this, we have to enter it with a sense of grace. Yeah. And I've had to really learn grace in my lifetime. Have we created the space for grace as practitioners to the extent that we could 
And what can we do to transform that? I think you've given the answer, but I, I want to hear yeah, a little no bit more. So we talk a lot about your thoughts, your beliefs, and your behaviors. That's like our model. That's how we exist in the world. It's our thoughts, it's our beliefs, and then it's behavior. So we spend a great deal attempting to address behaviors. But the essence of a person is in their thoughts and beliefs. And you need that grace within you to impact the world in a way of grace. You need that love within you to impact the world in that way. So when you see a person, right now we're in the world, if we see somebody do something wrong, it's like, ah, ah, I got Grace don't take over. If grace ain't there, it can't take over. I am a correction machine. That's how we see ourselves, this correction machine. Versus love machine. Wait, God. <laughs> We're getting through some songs that are in my head, but I, know. I, I almost got scared when I said, like, oh, here you go, down hit by <laughs> So say that again. You no, I can't say it. nothing again. That's no, my you got to say it again, dog. Because my, my dad used to say, my dad had a voice like James Earl Jones. Okay. He would say, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. <laughs> but way deeper than me. You just said correction machine versus a what? A love machine. Yes, sir. Versus a love machine. You didn't get anything else from listening to this podcast. You better remember that. Yeah. But go ahead, Doug, please. But it just brings the beauty of it as we're looking at other people. Once you become a love machine, it brings the joy out of you. I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago, and they was like, hey, how could you still be this happy doing this work for 35 years? <laughs> that was like, man, you smiling all the time. I said, it ain't the work. It's what's in me. You can't steal this smile. My son told me, he said, Dad, you don't like him. I said, ain't nobody in this world important enough for me to dislike. Ain't nobody in this world. They different from me. Now, where I take, that's my choice. But it ain't going to the dislike place. You see what I'm saying? It's just, hey, we see it differently. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Mindsets stop us from bridging the gap we want to bridge. And so when you a love machine, I'm going to write a rap song tonight and send it to you, man. <laughs> got- you just talked about the realm of choice, Doug. And I think yeah. that's where, when I started thinking about that notion of choice, yes. we also have a choice on how we engage with people that are pretty vehemently opposed to this notion of DEI. Now, it doesn't mean it's really what DEI is and can be, but there's an opposition to the notion. And it seems like for some practitioners, they move into that correction space. Yes, they do. What can move you to pause from that just for a moment so you could actually create the conditions that the organization would like to have for people to do their best work. Yeah, that's you, a You get into point. that space. What do you do when you're there? They yeah, I was like, no, BEI is not important, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. I, on oh, my little Doug Harris, G, I was doing something last night, and I talked about we can value different opinions, but we don't value different stands. So if I say paint the wall red, you say blue, we might work out a color somehow. That's just an opinion. If I say I'm Democrat, you're Republican, oh. Now we got different stands. And so the future of our work 
is in valuing different stands. Because I ain't coming all the way over here and you ain't coming all the way over here. But let's find a way that exists for the betterment of the world. What's a different level of instinct, love, and care that you have to get that done? The light stuff we're doing now, there's some new statements and new verse. You make up some words. We can do real, man. I ain't never seen wow. any words made up in the verse. I went to a conference. I thought I was at the wrong one. But many words was being made up. But are these words impacting the world? No, because they're not laced with love and they got a whole bunch of judgment on top. Yeah. So I think what we got to do to move people from judgment, we got to almost give them a new heart. Yeah. Of how to see the world. Yeah. At the least have them go deeper into the one that they already have. <laughs> you got through your own work. Right? Look, yeah. did you leave diversity for a minute? Go to one another, grow yourself cans. And think, and think about because you're killing our work, hung up in your righteousness. And, you know, if I was to think about righteousness from the biblical sense, I would be like, all right, that's righteousness. But that self-righteousness and righteousness are not the same thing. Because <laughs> Look, you know what? I'm like, you, gave me, you almost gave me two things to steal the ball. I like you, man. You don't have to give me any kind of attribution for that one because I stole that from a way, way long text way before I was even in existence. So, Doug, I'm, we're moving on time. As organizations and practitioners, I think you've said quite a bit of this, but if you were to summarize three bits of insight or advice that you would give to those who want to deepen the organizational practice in DEI, what would those uh, two or three things be? Yes, that's a great question. Let me share this and tie it right back. When we look at unity, we look at as empowered people. We often say having like kitchen table relationships with others where the truth is being shown and they're working as a team to really produce better outcomes, which leads to a transformed organization. And we have gotten so hung up in the organizational work that we haven't built the people to make that work mm -hmm. hot. Diversity in an unintended way has made people blame chasers. What was the term you used? I lost it already. Blame. I don't remember either, but well, look at the Always blaming, always blaming. Yeah. yeah, they made them not, instead of making them powerful to help you create the change. Now, only powerful people can help people be powerful mm. to create the change. So to make people powerful, you got to understand them. Get away from right and wrong and get towards understanding. And then you can tell them the truth when they're off. They're not wrong. They're just a little off. And let them tell you the truth when you're a little off. So Doug G is about love and truth. That's the foundation of it. And to hear the truth, you got to be full with love. And then you got to be appreciative. I got to thank you. Yeah, I didn't have that one. So we can't deal with errors no more. We can't deal with real conversation. They told me, disrespect me now. You disrespect, I told you the truth and you got disrespected. I ain't disrespect you. I told you the truth and you got, because you ain't used to being told the truth. You in this little glory fake world of hearing everything beautifully, but you don't want to talk to me. I love the truth. And I love the truth because the truth will help you grow into your best you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can sit around and say, oh, that was wonderful. That wasn't wonderful. That was, that was a step away from pitiful. 
Yeah. <laughs> Bob, Bob Marley said, the truth is an offense, but it's not a sin. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, man. You got all these statements. I got to hang out with you more. I got to listen to Bob Marley and KIS. I, I got to come to North Kakalaka the next time I'm in the state so we can do that. Or when no, you get over on this side of the pond, we have to come. Yeah. So thanks for that, Doug. So I always ask my, this is our second podcast. So I always ask all of my guests. Yeah. What a couple questions. So what's a favorite song or movie that you go to over and over again? You watch all the time or that you listen yeah. to all the time? It was so funny, man. Once you had shared that with me, I love the movie of glory. Oh man, Denzel. And he, they had that bonfire. And he never had no friends like that. And it's like, this 354 is my family. And it's such a, a lot of my life, I do the DEI work, but my roots come from being around a lot of brothers who love each other and will challenge each other and will argue with each other. But it's all in the sense of making each other the best they can be. Absolutely. And so if I'm flipping and that come on, don't stop. I'm about to watch the bulls. I'm like, no, I'm not, not. I'm going for me another glory. Because it just inspires me. It inspires me, man. It. it helps me see all the different places we come from. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we got to have empathy, but we got to respectfully challenge to help build people. So it's a motivator for me, that movie. I just love it, man. And so I may be at about the 45, I might see it 45. Wow. Thank God. You don't make me have to pull it out now. And so what one book has influenced you that inspired you significantly? Yeah. So I'm cheating on this one because we talked about it, but I love the Bible and I love Proverbs and it's called the book of wisdom. And I think in life, we all have experiences and many times we react to those experiences versus respond. Some response, God, now what do you respond with? You do your thinking instead of reacting and you respond. What do you pull on? And so I have been pulling on my whole life, man. Every, you know, 31 chapters in Proverbs. I read one every day. Wow. The day of the month. So it's about 18 years now. About 18 years. So I just read 20. You know, I had you on. I said, I better get ready. Let me read 20 right <laughs> But you read it. And it's so funny because it drops. Reading them 18 years, you've heard them all a million times. But they sure. drop different stuff in your spirit sure. every time you read it. And it just lifts you up to be who you need to be, which wow. is a wise person. Wow. So that's the big one for me. Then I also read this one book, man, when I first became an entrepreneur called EMT. And I would love to give the author credit, but it talks about an entrepreneur, a manager, and a technician. It's called the, it's by Michael Gerber. It's called the, oh my God. It is called the, Oh my, I've read that book several times. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm going to have to put it in the show notes because I read that book over and over again. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, no question. And I'm an entrepreneur by spirit. It talks about a lady making, making cakes as a technician. Then she wanted to create a business and she made the best case, but she ain't an entrepreneur. She don't know how to manage a business, but you need all three. You do. It's called the E-Myth Revisited. That's the easy, there you go. Amen, amen, that's yeah. 
No question. But that's been big for me because it also just helped me realize who I need around. Sure. If you know who you are, you find out the help you need. Absolutely. If you yep. think you're good like I do, you think you could do it all, but no, you can't. My brother, I've been there way too many times. I'm still working on that. But it's, it's it's absolutely, that's absolutely spot it's on. Clear, man. And um, it's really a valuing differences model. Yeah, no question. It's a valuing yeah. differences model. And then one person, you don't have to be limited to one, but a person that's really influenced your, you personally or professionally in your life or career journey. Yeah, it's funny, man. When I was about years old, Jackie Rob, I was born and raised in Hartford, Connecticut. And my mother was like a social service person. She got him to come to Hartford. Wow. Taught the kids. And he took a picture with me sitting on the shoulders. And so I wasn't totally aware of him at that time. But everybody was going crazy. I said, well, who is this dude? Everybody, what do you do? For baseball. Like, oh, okay. You a pro? Yeah. And so I started following him from a little shorty. Wow. And I love this dude, man, because what he does is just emphasizes the importance of performance. People cry at the littlest thing they go through as they're on their journey. My man was sleeping in cabs. He was being spit on, all of that. But when he got up to the plate, he said, watch me perform. That's what's going to speak. And so he wasn't going to be sad. Nope. It was the one of the greatest ever. Absolutely. But when he taught, man, he talks about performance. A lot of things you can't control, but when it's time to perform. And so when I look today's world, it's like if, it, if the situation ain't perfect, I can't perform. I'm like, I'm baby Jackie Robbins. I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop me, but I don't care what you cannot stop me from being empowered. Uh, that kind of agency, Doug, yes. is what I think is something that we need to spend more time on. Yes. And I remember when they were doing the efficacy work back in the day with Mike and all the crew. And, yeah, Jay Howard and, and all the Jay Howard and them. Yeah, man. That work changed me. That's what yeah. actually got like, oh, this is the real stuff. And that, like, those are the kind of folks that influence me. Man, that, I really appreciate you, you bringing that back to the fore. Yeah, and I love is. Jackie Robinson. Doug, I think I could talk to you all day. We definitely have to make this happen so we can spend some real time together. Yeah, is there anything that I should have asked you that I, that I didn't that you'd like to add to the dialogue? Yeah, it's almost in this last question. And I don't know if it's what you should ask me, but what I want to say is that we are powerful people. And people have got a hatred relationship with the word power because they think it's about manipulation of others versus the uplifting of others. And powerful people make a difference. But you got to believe you're powerful to make the difference. If not, you're going to be saying things that end the way. You're powerful. And from a godly standpoint, that's your source of power. But it's the source of power to bring more love, unity, valuing your people to the world. Don't feel unempowered. You're powerful. And Doug Harris OG is all about empowerment and finding your power. And yours is going to be different from mine. It's going to be different from a man. It's going to be different from the person you admire. But find your power. 
And real quickly, I'll share this with you. I went to Tufts University out in Boston. There was a lady, her name was Lily. And Lily worked at the cafeteria. And she checked your card when you came in to eat. And so I was late to the cafeteria, and it was just me and her in there. And she'd stick around for people when they late to make sure they eat. She was unbelievable. I said, how long have you been doing? She said, I've been doing a long time. I said, you plan on leaving? She said, I love it. I said, well, you just checking cafeteria car. She said, that's what she said, but when people come through this line, I could see the hurt in their face. I could see when something is going wrong. And I just said, how you doing, baby? You all right? I miss my parents. My girlfriend left me. I'm doing bad in a test. And they just bring it all to me. And all I do is just give them a word, oh, baby, you can handle that. It's going to be all right. I see their face light up when I say that. And she says, so them professors out there, yeah, they teaching you all that and giving you that. But when people come back to visit this campus, I guarantee I'm going to be one of the first ones they come see because of the love I gave. So I know everybody in this school going to go on and be powerful. And I got great satisfaction knowing I helped them build their power during their times of child. So they could be professors, all of that, but they come in to see Lily. I'm sitting there, man, I'm close to tears. I'm feeling like, oh man, don't do that to me. I'm a soft. But that was an inspiring moment for my life. Well, find your lane to impact the world. You could be a cafeteria check-in lady. Don't take a position for you to impact the world. You find your way to impact the world. Wow. Yes, sir. Doug Harris, ladies and gentlemen, and all other categories that I might not be able to say because my vocabulary hasn't yet gotten to that level. But everybody, people, I'm just honored to have you here, Doug. Where can people find you and learn more about what you're up to? Yeah, two things going on now. The easiest one to connect to me is still Kaleidoscope Group. And my email is doug.harris at kgdiversity.com. And then you can also go on our website. And then when you Google me, I think I'm number two. You put in Doug Harris. I'm number one behind Kamala's husband. His last name ain't even Harris, man. That cat that took, he just took the, I used to be number one, number one in the world. Now I'm number two or three because Doug Emhoff is taking it over. But you can find me very easy in all different vehicles. See that. I would love to hear from you, man. See how we can support your organization and give you insight. Because I'm about to really blow up with Doug Harris and G. But you're going to really hear where this empowerment is coming from. Yeah. Okay. My man, Doug, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. If you are committed or simply a little bit curious about how to make DEI accessible to everyone, actionable, that is unambiguously prioritized and sustainable, aligned with personal and organizational purpose, hit the subscribe button. Make it a great day. Peace. <music>